0: I try to find ways to interview for grit and learning mindset and endurance and, and and just fit to those values.
1: This is the Job Stories Podcast, how people find work that matters. Just to kind of preface what this is, um, we call this the Job Stories Podcast. So our goal is just to you know, build relationships and celebrate stories. So we ultimately today, the heart of this is just to talk with you about your story. We just want to ask you questions about you and your career path. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the heart of today. So just getting right into it, if you don't mind, John, um, just kind of introduce yourself just so we'll have that on here and, and tell us about what your your job is now, and um, just get into your story a little bit, your career path. You can go as far back of kind of how it started for you, and up to where you are now. Um, so yeah,
2: hey John, I would yeah. I would love to have you do that. But um, let me uh, also preface this conversation with: Do you have anywhere that you would like people to connect with you, mm. like maybe a Twitter or a LinkedIn or your website, or where would you like people to go to connect with you?
0: Yeah, I think probably Twitter, um, okay. which is at John G Bass. Okay. Or my LinkedIn is kind of where I; those are the two places I tend to cool be most frequently. So, I um,
2: I think at the end of the episode, I'll just say, "Is there any any place where you would like people to connect with you?" And um, then you can kind of take the lead
1: from there. Does that
2: sound okay. Easy? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: We are ready when you are, sir. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh man. Um, all right. So I'll try to, um, I'll try to make this as interesting as I can. Uh, (laughs) you know, I think the, the, the through lines of my career, um, have been healthcare, um, my entire professional career has been focused on healthcare, care mm-hmm. and um, I have a real passion for using technology to uh, improve and empower the health of individuals and, and communities. And, and, and I think the idea of a community that can be, that can be defined a bunch of different ways. Um, my career... Um, My healthcare career kind of started after college. I left UNC and joined uh, a startup. Oh, so, sorry. First, I joined Vanderbilt Medical Center coming out of school. And I helped to run the division of trauma at Vanderbilt. And I I helped manage the business office there. And I helped to do a lot of research. And this was in in the 90s. And so there was this whole internet thing that was kind of starting. And, I, and so I got into that stuff, you know, I started doing things like, I built one of the first websites for Vanderbilt Medical Center, the Division of Trauma website. Oh, and cool. So I kind of learned how to do that. Cool. And so, you know, after being there for a while and um, getting into research and getting into tech, and I was fortunate to, Um, join a group of people who were starting impacthealth.com. And this was a, one of the early kind of B2B exchanges, uh, dot-com exchanges coming, kind of coming to healthcare. And so back in those days, like these, these B2B exchanges were, were um, being introduced to help start moving data between organizations Uh, and replacing manual processes like phones and faxes Hmm. and so pretty early in my career like i i could i was so excited about that job and about that company and about the dot-com things that were going on and i poured I, i just literally poured every ounce of myself into into that company and um I I just, I worked so hard and uh, I was on the road six days a week doing implementations and trying to explain computers and the internet to people who've never used them before. And so, you know, teaching nurses that had never used a computer how to do that and mm-hmm. use this exchange was probably the hardest part. You know, it was, it was not the hardest part about what we were doing at impacthealth.com was not technical even though that was very innovative, it was, it was hard because it was about p- teaching people to do business in a new way and helping them overcome their fears of change. And mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of work that we had to do there. And um, you know, eventually, ImpactHealth.com grew up and got big and merged with a company called G- um, MetaBuy and then was acquired by a company called GHX. In kind of the two thousand and two to two thousand and four timeframe when the whole dot com industry kind of consolidated. And so all of that those early those early successes and those early wins evolved into kind of a consolidation. and i and I joined this amazing team at GHX, where I spent about nine years. Um, and and so that whole that whole exercise um really, was focused on using technology to bring organizations together and to collaborate in new ways and to work together in new ways and to go overcome their fears of, man, I don't know if I can do that because I'm gonna lose leverage in this relationship. You know, it's This kind of adversarial trading partner relationship where on one hand, these are trading partners who are all trying to do the same job? They're all trying to get the right product to the right patient at the right time for the right, at the right cost. But the same, but the on the other hand, they're adversarial in their relationship because they're all focused on leverage and data, right? And they're and they're trying to not to to kind of win in kind of this cost and pricing war and in those types of things. And so you know, we were trying to bridge those. Those interests and create alignment through the use of technology, and create a better, less expensive process for moving information between organizations. Mm. And so that kind of got into my DNA. that that use of technology for collaboration kind of got into my DNA at a very early point in my career. Um, and I've kind of took that and built a career out of it. Um, like I said, I was there for about eight or nine years. I um, left GHX to help start another company called InvivoLink, which did something similar for orthopedic and spine subspecialties. So what we try to do there is going to wrap the episode of care in an in envelope, in a technical envelope, so that providers, the surgeons in their clinics, the hospital, the medical device manufacturer, the post acute providers could all share workflows and share patient engagement activities and collect patient report outcomes measures to understand the relationship between um, products and prices and practice patterns and clinical and business um, uh, efficiency. And, um, And so it was really about kind of what you, if you if you think about that, it's really kind of the precursor to the value-based world that we are moving into today. And this was like in two thousand and nine. Mm. And so we were very early in kind of the value-based world. So we um again, using technology to kind of induce a lot of innovating around care management and around the collection of outcomes data and the collection of the collection of practice pattern data and implant utilization data. So cost and quality data. And that's and so that obviously created a great basis for understanding value in orthopedic and spine procedures. And so as care management and Obamacare and the ACA and value based initiatives became more and more real in the industry, we had a nice platform that we had developed that supported those types of payment reform programs Mm -hmm. And, and so we ended up selling that company to HCA after about five years. Um, and so again, you know, it was using technology to bring together these disparate parties that had a common goal, which is a, a good outcome for a knee replacement or a hip replacement or a spine patient, but had traditionally worked in almost kind of adversarial ways with each other. And that's just the reality of healthcare. You know, we're kind of have this really interesting and sometimes broken relationship between commerce and care, mm-hmm. where individual organizations' commercial interests sometimes don't always align with the um, the team sport that healthcare is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I've been able to somehow in my career, not not me, but the organizations and the amazing people that I've always worked with have been able to kind of thread those needles and find common ground and find the ability to create shared value across those networks that we've developed. And so that that story that I just told is the reason that I was attracted at a very early um at a very early uh, stage in the blockchain and Web three world, and so we had sold. We had just sold InVivaLink to HCA. I was running InVivaLink um, as kind of a subsidiary of HCA, and I started, you know, but my I, my antenna was up because I was, you know, going through this transition, <clears throat> and I started really becoming a part of the. Ethereum and Bitcoin blockchain communities, because back then in 2014, 2015, it was really just Bitcoin. And then in 2015, Mm. it was kind of this new Ethereum thing that was starting up. And so I I had started the Nashville Blockchain Meetup just because it was a side passion of mine. Um, And I really got excited about the community that was developing. And I started getting more and more interested in kind of Ethereum and and what the Ethereum community was doing around broadening the definition of an asset and making the blockchain more of a development platform than what Bitcoin had been able to do. Mm. And I started to recognize what was happening in the financial services and fintech industry and some other places where these new solutions were being um, born that really address these foundational issues of trust and transparency and incentive alignment um, that um, are everywhere in healthcare. And so I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I decided to leave HCA and start uh, leaving VivaLink specifically um, and start Hashed because I believed that it was the the operating system for these parts of the healthcare industry that need trust and transparency and incentive alignment and um and these other characteristics that blockchains provide um and so that's that's what led me to creating hashed uh and that was in 2016 well the company started in 2016 Mm. and It's been a wild ride Hmm. since then. It's been really fun, and Hmm. it's really maturing in some interesting ways.
1: That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's great. You mentioned something kind of early on in your career that I wanted to touch on because I think it's relevant today to today's times. Um, And just for background, Matthew and I we're brothers. I don't know if I mentioned that, but we have an IT recruiting firm here in Nashville, um, specifically with healthcare. We like to help healthcare startups fill out IT teams and. Um, so we talked to candidates a lot. And you talked about earlier about um, leading a team and actually training them on the tech wasn't the, the biggest hurdle. It was really helping them get over the fear of change. We're seeing that a lot right now, I think, in the last 18 months since COVID with candidates changing careers and 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 just navigating that fear of change. I thought that was so profound when you said that. Can you mind to elaborate a little bit more on that? Um, and even advice you might have um, if we, if this podcast reaches candidates that are in the middle of change and navigating just that kind of fear of change. Um, yeah. If that makes sense.
0: Oh, totally. Oh man. It's like, people just fear what they don't understand. Sometimes like it's a violent fear. It's like a adverse reaction that just is almost overwhelming and mm. and so some i think you know there are certain people who are kind of certain people and at certain points in your life you kind of are more okay with change than in others but change is change you know is risk right mm. and change is um about the future mm. and it's about your ability to um embrace the unknown <laughs> mm-hmm. and so for for a lot of people that's really hard mm-hmm. um you know um and i think it is a re- reason why some people are more entrepreneurial than others you mm-hmm. know there are a lot of really smart people out there that aren't aren't successful sometimes at starting new initiatives or innovating because their tolerance for risk and their tolerance for the unknown Mm. are are different than other other people Mm. um and when we were so when we were at when 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 i was kind of i was early in my career at impact i just started we were we we kind of designed this new exchange and i was responsible for implementing that solution at the first hospital in richmond virginia and I would go around and train all of these nurses. And so there's, there's kind of like, um, it, it, and, and so that's the thing, it, that's the change management that I remember most acute, like most clearly, like meeting, I, I, I remember the names of these people mm. um, and I remember what they look like mm. because I had these <laughs> oftentimes really challenging but also very informative meetings with them where i helped them work through that fear of change hmm. um, and um, and it, the funny thing is that once you work through it a lot of times those people who'd been so fearful and so um resistant are oftentimes the most proud and the most the best advocates once you kind of get through that. And, and that was really interesting to me. Um, but, but it's really, really hard. And and we're seeing it again today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing it everywhere because there's so much change and change is coming so much faster. Mm-hmm. And there are so many more opportunities, AKA threats, depending on your perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's what it is. A lot of times it's, kind of your perspective on life and are are you open to new ways of doing things what's your what's your openness what's your tolerance for exploration and investigation and experimentation mm-hmm. um, and so there's you know there's kind of that that acceptance and willingness to experiment and explore is at an individual level and it's at a Company level, the company culture, a, a lot of times, is just very unwilling to explore and to investigate and to experiment and to look at what's possible. And I think you know that's one reason you're seeing a lot of churn in in the uh, corporate kind of world. Um, it's it's a tough time to be a, a leader, especially a techni- technology leader at a big company. Mm. Because your ground is constantly shifting underneath you um, and mm-hmm. if you don't have a support system around you, if you don't have that personality and if you don't have a support system or, that allows you to to try things into you're you're at great risk mm-hmm. um, so I, my, I I empathize for a lot of those leaders out there who are are kind of challenged with that position. Mm-hmm.
1: you said something too that really resonated with me um, even, personally about dealing with with fear and it's really that unknown and I haven't mentioned this on our podcast yet but a big reason why I'm why I'm passionate about the healthcare community in Nashville specifically um, in 2020 uh, my wife unfortunately got diagnosed with breast cancer she's doing really well now but I say that to say is because that was the most challenging thing then for us is it was very unknown like the future of that was unknown for us because Obviously, we never dealt with it. Nobody in our family had. So I think that that has translated, and and, and you said it, but even being a leader of mine and my brother's business now, that risk factor of starting our own company um, and not really knowing what's ahead, I was able to kind of weigh that a little bit better based off what I would just gone through a couple years prior with my wife, right? So um,
0: yeah, that
1: that unknown is, is, I think that's it. I think you're on it.
0: I'm glad she's doing better. Yeah. I know that must've been really scary for you guys. And, you know, it's cool that you, you two brothers are doing this together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, having that culture um, and that's driven by you two um, and having kind of that support system that allows you to, to try things and to fail and to take risks, um is the enabler, right? Mm. You you probably wouldn't have done it without that. Mm. I, I went through the same thing, like starting a blockchain company in the healthcare space mm. in 2016 <laughs> was not advisable. Yeah. Right? I can
2: guarantee you people thought, okay what the hell is he doing like when I, when I know I, this I, john I, guy what is what's he doing he needs to get back at hca
0: i promise you that's what they were saying uh and i you know i was i was doing just fine at hca i, I yeah. could have stayed i could have stayed there forever yeah um i i loved it and um but it's just one of those things i knew i knew something that no one else knew mm. I got to a point where I was sure about that.
2: So, but I know you're telling a story, but let me interject, do you, um, how did you know? I Mm -hmm. mean, um, what was it in your gut that you just like knew this is going to happen? It may take five, 10, 15 years or whatever the time is, but was it just your gut that you knew Mm -hmm. you had that certainty?
0: I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm just not, and I, you know, I'm, 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 but what I, what I think I, as i got older, what I think I'm good at is pattern recognition.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I had been through these two companies again, where I was using, I was focused on collaboration. I was focused on this team sport of healthcare and I was, just trying to figure out why, like why is it so hard for people to work together? And and the reason is like with, with GHX and with Envibling, like what, what we, the limiting factors to those companies at the time was trust, transparency, and incentive alignment. Like getting people to collaborate, it, it did not scale. And, and value-based initiatives in healthcare, have a real trouble scaling because what people do is they try to solve these team sport problems by themselves. They try mm-hmm. to play the game alone. It's like an every CFO for him or herself world. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that repeatedly over, you know, a period of many years. And then I got involved in this community of a brand new kind of digital set of set of digital primitives right that that were designed to create trust and transparency and incentive alignment across networks. And when Ethereum took the original kind of Bitcoin model of that and expanded it to where anything could be a digital asset that's tracked on a blockchain, a a shared source of truth amongst a community of people who all cared about that, the state of that asset. And when they um, evolved the original Bitcoin blockchain into a development platform where you could write code on top of that shared source of truth to automate business processes or programmatically move value between organizations or individuals. When I saw that that was real, and I, you know, there were some specific days in my life back then when I saw evidence that that was true. Um, in twenty uh, back back then, um, it it really had a profound impact on me, and I I could not let it go. and And then something happened. And then something happened. <clears throat> I was speaking at a meeting. Um, and I spoke just after Charlie Martin spoke mm. and some of the things Charlie Martin said when he spoke were exactly what I was thinking of, of, of doing. Mm. Um, and, and so all of a sudden my confidence and the, the, so that's one thing that happened. The other thing that happened was a guy named David Bailey moved to Nashville, Tennessee, David Bailey runs BTC Media. Okay. And so all of a sudden I had an expert in the blockchain world in Nashville and I could I could talk with him regularly. Mm. And so it was a combination of things um of kind of a, a network of people who took what I what I what I felt like I knew and enabled me to not feel like I was crazy or the only one. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of helped me have the confidence to actually
3: mm-hmm.
0: move forward with that idea. And then, you know, so so David more from a kind of a sharing ideas and things and Charlie Martin from a financial and kind of, you know, so I wasn't taking all the risk in starting the company. He mm-hmm. He would, he was really excited about the same thing and he would support me. He believed in me as a leader. Mm-hmm even though I was way early and he believed in the concept, even though it was way early. And we just shared, yeah, you know, it just really wasn't that hard. He just, he shared the same vision I did. And he was like, I, I want to do this with you. That's awesome. And so if, if it hadn't been for those two things, I don't know that it would have, it either would have taken a lot longer or it would have mm-hmm. not happened.
2: As you, as you look forward um, in 2022 and beyond, what um, skill set would you say you're trying to foster in the leadership team at Hashed Health um, to deal with this change? Mm. Is it two things, three things that you're trying to over and over say to your the people around you to kind of make happen in the culture at your company?
0: Yeah, I think, I think there, these aren't hard things. Um, you know, number one is that we kind of all believe that health care and people's health is kind of fundamental, right? Like it's of course. everyone has a right to health care. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is there's, we're not going to solve any of these big foundational problems in the industry that drive all the costs and, and limit access if we don't collaborate. Mm-hmm. And number three is innovation is, is core to that ability to collaborate. Um and so you know it's not just collaborate either it's kind of this concept of radical collaboration that we really talk about a lot. And so you know radical collaboration is has everything to do with business models and technical models and it's 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 web 3 and its blockchain that in, that are the technical enablers for that type of radical collaboration, new business models that folk on, focus on decentralization and ownership and credible neutrality are really, really key to what we think the kind of the true solutions in healthcare to the cost problems in healthcare and access problems in healthcare will be. And then, um, and then the last one that I would say is, you know, success. Our ability to succeed <clears throat> is dependent on endurance and evolution, and having kind of a learning mindset. Um, you know, we have lots of ideas, but some of those ideas are early. Um, and so, placing bets and the placing our bets in the right places, and mm-hmm. then having a business model at Hash, this venture studio business model that allows us to evolve with the market and endure and um, meet the market where it is is real. i think those are really important things so those are those are a couple of things that we talk about a lot at hashed in terms of kind of values and competencies
2: are those things hard to find in, in let's say you have 10 positions open within your company is it hard to like find the that those qualities in candidates or are people really open to collaboration now in a world where 20 years ago they wouldn't quite have been so mm. open to it mm. have you found any like trends with that
0: yeah i think it's really hard to <clears throat> you know it's it's easier to um interview for job description kind of the the, the role the role um, it's uh, to me, it's harder to interview for um, those types of competencies and mm. personality, like character stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, care your stuff. You know, how collaborative are you? What's your, what's your, you know, are, how gritty are you? Mm. Um, you know, you kind of can look at people's backgrounds and see things that point towards grit and point towards kind of. And you can ask certain questions like what have you what have you learned to do recently is one that i like to ask like what what new thing have you mastered recently in the last couple of years hmm. um or what you know you can ask things like what what books do you read or like everyone that we interview has like innovation in their resume um <laughs> yeah. they you know we yeah. kind of select for that but it's all it's not everyone like likes innovation. It, it, but you know, you you can. I try to find ways to interview for grit and learning mindset and endurance and mm-hmm. um, and and just fit to those values. And I, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I'm good at it, but I try.
2: Mm-hmm. I was um, talking to a client of ours in Kansas City, actually, and um, we're we're looking for some pretty technical roles for them um migrating data from one cloud to another and um has so got to be people that know very specific skill sets <laughs> and i was talking to the hiring manager and i was like okay what what skills do you want to see out of them i was trying to get him to say like a uh, microsoft azure certification or a project with aws or all that and he kept saying i need them to be learning mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm he wasn't saying they need to know this technical stuff but he was saying like they need to be learning evolving changing finding out what's new those are the employees i need
0: yeah because threats threat vectors are kind of everywhere right like for oh, yeah you know, it's just like things are it's just like and, and where do you place your bets and like how you, it can't be just on the ceo to stay on top of the industry trends you know you everyone has to kind of have that learning mindset and be thinking about where where their world is headed and that's hard and it requires a lot of time it's it's really hard um yeah i don't i don't know that's it's it's a challenge for for leaders to to interview and find those types of people Mm -hmm. Um, but it's amazing time to be coming out of school or changing industries. I mean, mm-hmm. things are things are all that change. You know, my my career. I think I've I've just been very lucky, but uh, as I look back on it, it's like all that luck, all the, all the the inflection points came during times of change, right? And and um. And so for me, like some people are like back to what we were talking about, like fear of change.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I've just grown to really li- live on it and thrive on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I've built a business now, this venture studio business model that is, de- is designed for change, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's um We spin out new companies and the ones we're going to spin out next year are going to look different than the ones we spin out this year. Mm-hmm technical models are evolving the business models are evolving the um you know uh, the governance structures are evolving and so how you know so so that's that's what i try to do is i try to like i try to it's all the way down to my business model it's it's designed to embrace change and i try to find people who who live that And they're excited about all the change that's happening rather than fearful of it. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Um, I've, I've uh, we talk about this sometimes, but um, I was curious to your thoughts too, as you've been building Asht Health, if you'd mind to touch on kind of the, um, how you dealt with maybe even it's just emotionally, but some of the harder times, or maybe there were people in uh, you were trying to collaborate with and you were getting nose. I mean, how do you, I'm always curious on how folks deal with that because like I said, it's mine and my brother's company, so hearing no sometimes we take it personally because it's our business mm-hmm. and which you know what I'm at you maybe know where I'm trying to get, but just how do you kind of manage kind of the maybe the lower points that you've had as you built hashed health and how that translates into celebrating wins too?
0: yeah, I think yeah i mean i've I've heard no more times than I can count mm-hmm. i I just because you know again, it was so early, especially in Sixteen seventeen, sure. Um, and so it was you know we had to really focus on market development and community development, kind of before anything else. And then that community development was the enabler from some yeses. Mm. So we thought first about kind of community and education and ideation and sharing of information in order to develop a market of people who are receptive to those signals. And then a subset of that market, we ended up doing business with. And some some members of that market ended up trying to compete with us or going and doing their own thing. But if we hadn't done that market and community development work, we never would have gotten anywhere. Mm. Um, Because we were when I started hash, we were literally standing in an empty room And so we started doing, you know, we, we, we did meetups and we did, conf- we did, we started a conference with BTC media and we um, started, you know, everywhere I, I go around the world and, and speak. And I wrote, ended up writing a book, I wrote articles, I just, I wrote newsletters, I'd create videos. I would do anything I can to educate and create community and give away a lot of the knowledge that we were obtaining because we were in a privileged position of thinking about this stuff every day. And that was what started revenue and started getting yeses because we started growing an audience of people who thought like we did or at least Hmm. subscribed to what we were thinking and wanted to learn more. Hmm. And it allowed us to start advisory and consulting work. And that advisory and consulting work a subset of that work led to experimentation, technical experimentation. And what that did was it allowed us to start understanding pattern recognition from a protocol and a technical perspective, which told us where the low hanging fruit was in terms of building new technical models that actually worked in a, in a space that was very immature. Mm. And so you can see how, you know, one thing led to another and all of a sudden you have a you have a business, and eventually, in about a year ago, we stopped advisory and services work altogether. We stopped renting out our time because we had all these amazing innovation opportunities, um, and we we wanted to launch these new companies that were made up of these networks that been, we've been working. All these networks needed a vehicle for commercialization, and we were happy to stop renting our time and become a venture studio.
3: Hmm.
0: So that's that's the evolution, but it was it was kind of a step stepwise approach towards where we are now. It didn't happen overnight, sickness five years, hmm. um, to really start doing meaningful kind of commercial innovation work. Hmm. Um and and you know, over that period of time the the nose have gotten less frequent. But like even last year when we were fundraising. It was like starting all over again. I heard mm. no's everywhere because mm. in 2019, 2020, um, you know, again, healthcare and blockchain still new <clears throat> and a lot of venture capital folks were interested in it, but not wanting to actively invest mm-hmm. or it, or investing in a venture studio didn't meet their investment thesis. Mm. And so, man, I heard tons of no's. Mm. And, um, and so I think, i think it's just like celebrating the yeses mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. kind of you know and 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 I, and just growing more and more confident in kind of um what you're doing and 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 maybe it's a little bit of being naive too um because there's a lot of obstacles and um and somehow believing that you can overcome those things uh, sometimes that's confidence and sometimes it's naivete, I think, mm-hmm. but maybe that's helpful in some ways.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth cause this, we did celebrate a win truthfully, um, in between, um, Christmas and new year's just with a candidate that we're trying to help out. I mean, just a really, really great guy. Maybe doesn't have, um, yeah. the best background, but, um, he's, he's about to and close to potentially having a position that truthfully might change his family tree i mean he's he's worked his yeah. tail off through college and then his early part of his career and he's he's got a chance to really do some cool things really on behalf of his family and for us we right. we're just like that's why we do this you know that's yeah. it's about people for us and that's why so um we're trying to focus on that kind of thing more right
0: yeah. so, making a difference in that guy's life that's right that, that's a big deal man
1: mm-hmm. that's right Um, Matthew, do you have anything? I'm I'm enjoying
2: this. Yeah. Uh, John, I think we're about to run up on our time, but, um, where can people, I I would imagine there will be somebody listening to this that either wants to come work for you or, um, wants to follow you or your company. So where would you like people to go to connect with you
3: or your company?
0: Well, the, the website's www.hashthealth.com, H-A-S-H-E-D-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And so we have a careers page there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where you can learn more about the company as well. And we have newsletters we publish and you can subscribe to those newsletters on that site. Um, I'm also on Twitter at at John G. Bass and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, And... We just hired our first um, community leader at hashed for all the reasons we've talked about over the last 45 minutes. And so, you know, again, we believe in kind of this radical collaboration. We believe in the fact that, especially in our business, in our world, community comes first and that community leads to opportunities. And and so we are always looking to grow our community and get that community engaged and involved in what we're doing either at Hashed or with some of the startups that we're creating. And my belief is that in the future, more and more companies are going to be focusing on kind of these Web3 concepts of community first technologies, Mm -hmm. community ownership, Uh, you know, community activation, and you think about your, your workforce, no longer about the, the FTEs at your company, but uh, you think about your workforce as your community that extends um, outside of the walls of your organization. Mm. And so how do you get that community engaged in innovation, ideation, validation, commercialization activities for these new businesses we're creating. That's what we're thinking about every day. And we've so much so that we've hired Jeff Snyder to make that his full-time job. How do we um, open our company up to our community? How do we activate that community and how do we engage that community in our projects? Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know of any, any healthcare company that's so interested in engaging people who want to participate in that Mm. as hashed and we are going to be over the next several months developing and deploying more and more tools and community activation tools that um, that enable people to get involved whether it's as an employee of the company or as as some contributor to one of our initiatives obviously in a way that creates value for both sides so so you know you can follow us at hashed or on twitter on linkedin but know that there will be really interesting ways to get um, more engaged here in 2022 even if you're not working directly for hashed
1: that's awesome gosh you and your company y'all are wonderful for nashville that's why i love nashville because people like you i love i i i just love the community here and you're just speaking to that with like every word out of your mouth so appreciate you coming on and Thank you. This has been awesome.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you, including me. I
1: can't wait to. I, I can't wait. I'm I'm already looking forward to texting Devin and singing your praises. This has <laughs> been awesome. So, Thank you. Yeah. I
0: appreciate that.
1: Thanks, John. You have a great day. Bye, right, guys. We'll talk soon.
0: Take it easy. You Bye.
3: Too. Appreciate you.